it's Coach Tori, and this is Raising Runners. We talk running, fitness, mental health, and so many more topics. As the founder of a youth running program, I approach all of our conversations with our youth athletes in mind and kind of have a focus around those things. But as you will see, we are finding that all of these topics relate to runners and people who like to move and do fitness or anything like that um, relates to everybody. Check it out. It's Coach Tori, and this is Raising Runners, and today we have two guests, kind of. Um, it's me with my dad, who is co-hosting today, and we have ultramarathoner Brian Ellis with us today. Hey, Brian, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Oh, and hi. Hi, Dad. How are you? <laughs> hey, Tori. Um, so Brian, I know I said ultra marathoner, but I also know there are probably so many other things about you too. Can you give everybody just like a little intro into who you are today? Yeah. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, I guess I'm a full-time marketer, part-time runner. Um, I also spend a lot of time writing about running, um, the science behind it, uh, the mental health aspects, and just well-being aspects that go along with not only running, but being active and living an outdoor life. Um, I, I think one thing that makes me a little unique is I wasn't a high school runner. I wasn't a college runner. I know a lot of my friends were, but I found running later in life, and that's when it really kind of developed into a passion, and I started seeing the benefits of it, and it really opened my eyes that you know, it's, it's for everybody. You didn't have to come from a sports background. You don't have to be a guy that runs a guy or girl that runs, you know, five and a half minute miles. <laughs> you can come into something and you can take it at your own speed and the, the, the payoffs and what you get out of it is just incredible. Yeah. And, and I always, I think I say this probably every time I'm like a broken record. I love hearing about people who found running later in life because both me and my dad kind of were runners, runners forever. Um, so it's just so interesting, like how people come to, to all of that. So can you kind of give us uh, a little more detail into like, you know, how you found fitness and then how that turned into running. And then now you're, you know, ultra running is kind of a whole different beast too in the running world. So kind of how you, you made that path. Yeah. Yeah. My fitness journey was, um, like I said, it was a little different compared to a lot of runners. Um, I started out in more of kind of like a lifting background, a traditional gym background, you know, bro lifting, I call it. Um, and when I moved to, I moved to Costa Rica for several years, just seeking kind of a little reprieve from, uh, I was living in Los Angeles in the heart of the city for a long time. It just got a bit overwhelming. So I decided to take a little, little break. I moved down to Costa Rica for a while and I was looking for ways to meet new people and to kind of step outside my comfort zone. And I ended up finding, uh, they had a CrossFit class there. I call at CrossFit light because at that point we didn't even have like bench racks or anything if you wanted weight on your shoulders you had to have people help it up on your back or you're doing it off of plyo boxes <laughs> so it was but it was great and it was a great way to start meeting people so I really found uh, my joy and, and just kind of and just being around people and doing the fitness thing there. Um, so that led me to wanting to get better at that. So I started running in the hills, running the mountains, just short distances, two, three, four miles. Um, but I found that I really loved it. I loved getting out and kind of being by myself and just experiencing nature and everything around me. Um, then when I moved back to the U.S., I ended up moving to the Atlanta area for work. Um, I'm just north of Atlanta here in Marietta, Georgia. 
And so I started here. I decided to pick up another. It was a great way to meet people. So I jumped into one of the local CrossFit gyms here and I met a couple of people and we decided to go do um, some of the Spartan races. So, you know, mud run style uh, obstacles with trail running involved. And I found out that I was actually really good at it. Um, so I started taking, started just doing the harder courses. I started jumping in one of the really well-known ones is the Killington Ultra Beast up in um, Killington, Vermont, which is just an absolute monster. Uh, it's 30 miles. I think it's 12,000 feet of gain, but with, you know, 60 plus obstacles thrown in there, swim sections, et cetera. Um, so I started doing that and I've ended up doing world's toughest mutter when it came to Atlanta. And I ended up placing top 25, which qualified me to run at a, at the pro level for Spartan, which was really cool. That took me to, I got to go run at the world championship in Australia, just outside of Sydney. And I placed uh, top 10 in the world. So that really kind of opened my the my perspective into running just long distances so those are 24-hour events so you know it's just it's a five six mile lap race you just do over and over and over again with a ton of obstacles but I've, i found that i loved it and it was just the challenge and wanting to go farther so from there i realized i was like i had the upper body strength i had the obstacles down but i needed to get my legs better so i needed to run more so this was about i was i think i was 35 at the time so again i kind of found it later in life but that really opened up to was like okay if i want to be better at this i need to start running a lot more and so i started looking into the local um, ultra marathon scene starting to look at i ran my first i think half marathon shortly after that with you know no obstacles just straight run and i, I fell in love I jumped into the 50K, and that's when I really kind of started meeting a bunch of the other ultra runners and got into the scene where I realized that this is just a bunch of really cool people that like to hang out, kind of like party, and just go run long distances out in the woods. So that really attracted me. Um, from there, I, I ran, I've run, since then, I've probably run 20 plus 50Ks. And last year, I jumped into the 100-mile range. Um, I ran my first 100 miler, which was the Run Rabbit Run 100 out in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. It's a really well-known race. A lot of big runners go out there. And so I did that one with a buddy, which was a great experience. Um, so we did that together. Actually, we stuck together the whole time, which presented unique challenges that I think a lot of people aren't familiar with when you're trying to do that kind of a distance. And then um, I just realized that not, not one point in the race was I like, this is... I've reached my limit. So I decided to just keep pushing. I ran what's considered the hardest hundred mile on the East coast early this year. And I'm running another one here in about two weeks. So I just kind of right into this point, I'm uh, just kind of keep pushing and want to keep going farther and trying to see, uh, see where that breaking point is. I haven't found it yet. So we'll see where it comes. <laughs> I mean, I hope you don't find it, <laughs> but you know, such is life, right? Um, wow, I feel like I had like a hundred questions throughout your whole explanation, but I don't want to keep jumping all over the place. Um, what does your training look like right now since you are, well, maybe what did your training look like a couple weeks ago? Cause I imagine you're probably reducing mileage now as you're getting closer to your race or do you not? taper like that yeah i definitely taper so we're actually three weeks out this weekend so this weekend we had our kind of our big long run last weekend we went up and previewed the course i feel like that's always a great thing luckily this is the first hundred mile i've done that's really close to home it's only about an hour and a half away so we're able to go up and actually 
you know, get our feet on trail and see what we're going to be in for, which I think gives a lot of perspective and it's mentally really, really takes a lot off your plate. But as far as training wise, um, I'm a big believer of building my miles up while also keeping my strength training as, as a priority. So mileage wise for a hundred, I'm going to look up, look to build at my peak week, week four, week three, up to probably about 65, 70 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also going to be incorporating still a lot of strength training. So I'm a big firm believer in walking lunges, which is something that I've started to incorporate. Uh, I started incorporating when I was doing the 24 hour, 24 hour um, obstacle course races. And so now I'm up to the point where I build up to sets of 2000 straight walking lunges. And I found that it absolutely just builds monster legs. I've never, I've not reached a point where my legs now actually give out. I've had, you know, the skin on my feet give out, I've had other things like that. But as far as legs wise, I haven't, you know, haven't reached it. I really like races too with big vert. So again, I think that also comes into play. So yeah. So training wise, I'm going to build up to about that 65, 70 mile mark. And then my taper, I'll start cutting back 25% about every week. And I'll also keep that up with the strength. So when it comes to walking lunges, Bulgarian split squats, keeping my heavy deadlifts, I'll start kind of tapering those down. Um, and then I'll have my last, you know, my last lifting sessions and my last kind of serious runs. I like to keep it. So the races, this hundred miler starts on a Friday. So I'll still do a decent workout on the Monday before, just so I don't, you know, lose anything. I know a lot of people like to take that full week and just kind of, kind of, you know, they'll baby it, they keep it on, but I like to make sure that I'm not going to lose any of that fire. And then I'll, I'll do some, you know, so maybe some five K's leading up to it, but that's really what it looks like as far as training wise. Wow. Oh, incredible. oh go ahead. Oh yeah. No, sorry, Tor. Uh, yeah. So that's, that, that's incredible. Uh, are you going straight through on these hundred miles? Are you taking moments to take a, an hour nap? Like what's the, What's the strategy during the race? So my, my strategy is I've never had a problem with lack of sleep. So I go straight through, um, that said, I'm not like, I'm not as fast as the faster guys. I know a lot of runners, like my crew, they, they always kind of give me the insights of what's going on. Um, they're like, you know, we'll see these people fly in and then they stop and they're getting pampered for an hour. Like you're saying, and then they go off and they're running me. I, I, I don't like sitting down. I'll get there. I'll maybe sit down, make sure my feet are okay. Get my nutrition on, make sure I, uh, we're in the South. And so the last hundred i did we were facing 90 degree weather and uh 80 90 humidity at night we had 100 humidity so it was really important to stay on top of hydration so make sure i chug like a liquid iv something like that just get it in my system and then you know really just hit the road so maybe a couple minutes in each aid station before i'm headed back out i find too that if i am gonna have any like leg cramping issues it'll be when i sit down for too long so as long as i keep them going it's just like you know the object in motion stays in motion so (laughs) i saw you pull the uh you pull the gopro out regularly i guess i saw your uh video for the hellbender 100 which was outstanding by the way it was a great great video give you great perspective on how difficult the terrain can be. Do you do that for all your races? Do you pull those, uh, you know, the GoPro out like every, you know, 30 minutes just to give a perspective? Yep. I really do. I like filming the courses. I like trying to, I do it for two reasons. Uh, first and foremost, like I, I like to be able to look back on it and remember it. Cause I'll, I'll film this stuff. And a lot of times, 
you get to the finish and you forget about all these little things that happened along the way and just all the like the minor details some of the train it can be such a long day out there you're talking you know 30 plus hours in a lot of cases that you know, there's just so much to take in you tend to forget it so when i get to go back and look through the video it just gives me a whole other perspective for what i've done and the beauty of the course i get to see things that i might not have noticed when i've initially done it and then the second reason is i like to have it so other people can see it i always take pride on trying to film the most difficult parts of the course because i typically you know leading up to a race i love watching videos and trying to see what i'm in for but i always find people like when they hit into that pain cave all of a sudden the video stops recording and you don't get to see <laughs> you don't get to see those parts of the course that are most challenging so i really try to make an effort of like when i'm in pain let's pull out the camera and look at what and see what's causing me pain and it's gone it's done some uh i've got some great experiences on that so like the first hundred we did i did it with my good friend who was the pacer at uh for the hellbender um and there's like an experience and where the first the first climb when you start the run rabbit run is just up a black diamond ski slope it's four thousand feet just straight up you get in this conga line and it's it's misery but as we look out to our right just as we're about two-thirds of the way up there's like you know a juvenile bear just barreling at the line of people and so it's like i oh, pull the camera out and so i'm so glad having like little things like that to just look back on and think wow that was that was really cool because you know when we were done with it we, we both were like did that really happen <laughs> so <laughs> so it does it adds it adds a bit to it yeah, I will say, like, watching the end of the Hellbender 100, uh, you almost made it look like it was fun. Like, you were finishing strong. I'm like, uh, it can't be It can't be that easy. It's not easy. I know it's not easy. Oh, so, yeah. Well, the one thing I didn't get on video, and I wish I would have, was how my feet actually looked. So the, uh, the weather was so hot and humid. I ended up starting, a bunch of runners had the same issue. I ended up pretty much developing trench foot. So we literally had to duct tape my feet together just i mean not just a little on the toes i was wearing duct tape boots pulling yeah. in there so my legs felt amazing but every step was just like stepping on fire <laughs> is that is that is that your kryptonite uh like every runner seems like they've got some limiting factor whether it's their uh vo2 max whether it's their leg strength your is it is foot seem to be your recurring issue or what, what's do you have no yeah, so no, um, my feet, this is actually the first time it really happened, and we've just been in the southeast here, we're just having a brutally hot and humid summer, and so it's come up quite a bit. That was actually, I wasn't expecting that, and so that was, after the first hundred, my feet were really good, and my legs hurt. So that's when I was like, okay, I really got to focus in on mileage, um, the proper buildup proper taper and leg strength for the for big vert the hellbender has almost twenty four thousand feet of elevation gain and there's something like seventeen thousand feet in the first 45 miles so it is just up and down the climbs it's five three thousand foot climbs and descents and that's where i really i think the my feet really kind of were getting eat up was those massive descents you're just you can't slow yourself really technical terrain so i you could just feel the pads getting hotter and hotter and there's just no ventilation in those shoes a lot of the time so if i'd done it again um in this race especially if the humidity is high i know I always like to change socks and shoes at some point in the race, but I would have done it more. I would have rotated them more often. And I think that would have helped a lot. And I wasn't the only person at that race. Like I said, when I got across the finish line, I saw other people taking their shoes off and their feet looked just like mine. I was like, Ew. <laughs> so. <laughs>
Hey, do you you mentioned the pain cave a couple of seconds ago? Did you uh, do you have like a why? Like, what is your why that you go to when you're sort of deep in that pain cave to to keep going? Do you have one? Like most of the ultra runners I hear like have something in the past that they sort of gravitate to mentally. So for me, um, I really think it comes down to it's kind of a saying in the ultra running community. It's the farther you go, the more you change. To me, it's really about trying to find myself and find my limits. There's there's just something in in it when you you reach a spot that is where you know you could stop. And the easiest thing would be to do is stop. But the truth is you've got more in you. At that point, you're probably about you're literally only probably about given about 40, 50% of what you have in you. And so you can keep going, keep pushing. To me, it is a quest to kind of figure out how where that limit is and how far I can go. Um, I think it relates a lot to those experiences and pushing through the pain cave relates a lot to just life in general. Every day we face adversity, whether it's your job, family, just, you know, driving and dealing with traffic. And it's how much of this can you take? <laughs> can you push on through it? And I really do think that that's one of the greatest lessons ultra running can teach people is that we're capable of so much more than we ever realized, both physically and mentally. You know, a lot of people will end up quitting races or, you know, tapping out and the realization is most of them aren't getting taken away in an ambulance it's just because mentally they're done and so that that pushing past that blockade and that mental point can teach you a lot about yourself and just teach you a lot about what what you're capable of in any aspect of life yeah you sound very similar to david goggins i don't you're probably familiar with him oh uh, of course yeah (laughs) that 40 percent limit uh you know theory as well that uh you know that it's hard your mind is screaming to stop 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 uh even though you're right your body can keep going you're not you're not going away in an ambulance but i don't know if i want to get to that point i mean i've had exactly it's yeah. easy to stop. It is. I, I, I think a lot, anybody that does a lot of miles has definitely heard of David Goggins and, you know, knows his mantras. I'm a little, I'm a little more tame with my perspective yeah. than him. I'm not trying to take souls or anything out there. Yeah. In fact, I think it's about, you know, one of the things I love most about the ultra running community is how encouraging it is and how uplifting it actually is and how, you know, when you're pa- either A, passing people or B, getting past just, you know, how are you doing? You feeling good? You're looking great. Keep it going. If you know, I've had times in races where you'll find someone on the side of the road or side of the trail, just down and you stop and you try to help them. Hey, do you need, I've got electrolytes. I've got fuel. What do you need? Oh no, I just, my legs aren't working right now. I need a minute, you know? (laughs) So, you know, that, that, that sense of community to me is one of the reasons I really enjoy it. So that's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I'll let you go in a second, but it was, um, uh, I'm trying to create my own nickname of Baby Goggins. Like, so I, you know, I, like you said, I, like I'm not as intentional. Exactly. I just want to be a baby version of him. There's a diet there. I don't know if you, so you Goggins fan, you probably know Cam Haynes too. I think he's oh, yeah. a great one to follow. We actually got a chance, you know, buddy, we flew out to Oregon and did, he had a 10 K he put on outside of Eugene with a mountain ops that we got to run and meet him. And he's a, he's a really down to earth, a really cool guy. So he's a bow hunter, right? That's his, that's his, as he does yep. all this for bow hunting benefits, I guess. Yep. Yep. And he's gotten, he's really gotten into like the ultra at hundred miles scene because of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Actually I read his book first and then, uh, you know, and then Goggins afterwards, but yeah, they're, they're very similar from an intensity standpoint. Yep. Yep. 
Um, switching a little bit from all the, the fangirling over here about Goggins, Dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so you mentioned community, and I think also you when you started talking about your running story, you talked about community because CrossFit also is another place that kind of has a community and it's, it's easy to find them once you're there. Um, and running is the same thing. I, it's another one of those broken record things I'm always saying is like, you, you know, runners, we love community. We love doing things together. And that's like such a great part about running. Um, and I think as positive as the in-person community can be and the, you know, not so in-person community can be, um, social media is a big thing now with running, um, whether it's like running motivation groups who are always, you know, looking for different people to post, you know, their distances and all those stuff, um, or Strava I know is, is huge. Um, I don't really use Strava too much because I can't keep up with any social media. Um, <laughs> so it's just like an extra one. I just can't even do, but. I imagine people probably want to see you on Strava because you are doing all these cool things. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the social media aspect of, of all those big distances that you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. So I've definitely had that, uh, the pressure to post a lot and to kind of keep up with the Joneses on Strava. Um, so one thing I don't think I mentioned in my bio is I have a website called runbrianrun.com that's actually grown to be really popular. I'm ecstatic about the growth and never thought it would get to the point it has, but it's allowed me to a lot of different opportunities, A, to meet a ton of people and B, to work with a lot of great brands. Um, and they've, and, but, you know, in the process of working working with these brands, one of the things they always want is social media. They want you to be posting on Strava and Instagram and all that. And so uh, it's been tough for me because I actually took about, I think, probably two years off of Instagram and pretty much all social medias without being on it just for the mental health benefits involved with it. Um, so one of the reasons I love running is because of the mental health aspect that it brings to it. I think one thing that you mentioned is, you know, the community behind it. They actually just had a study come out that talks about how group fitness uh, is one of the most it's quoted exactly, but it leads to one of the happiest life satisfactions you can find is being physically active in groups with other like-minded individuals. Um, and I think that's a huge thing. So yeah, when it relates back to Strava, like I, I tend to, for a while there, I was blocking my account and I just wasn't posting on there. Um, I think it's funny. I think one of the, the greatest ultra runner of our time right now, or one of by far the most female, um, Courtney Doe Walter, she's infamous. She doesn't, she's her accounts on private and <laughs> she doesn't share a workout. She doesn't let anybody know what she's doing. So I've kind of took a kind of model from that where I'm like, okay, maybe it is good for mental health to just step back and just do what you're doing. But at the same time, yeah, um, I do have a group of friends that we we stay pretty we stay pretty on each other because that's that was the, the the turn on it though that I thought was like okay if I step outside myself and like just get past the mental part where I'm like hey it doesn't matter what people think I know I'm slower than a lot of people but I also know I'm putting a lot more work than a lot of people so if I step back that and I start using it for accountability it could be a great tool to actually help me get to the next level so that's one of the things I really look at it now is less of a competition less comparing to anybody else but using Strava you know you can even use Instagram stuff like that as long as you're following the right people and you're using it for the right 
right mindset, it can be incredibly helpful. So me and a core group of friends, we've, uh, we've really used it as that is just kind of a launching point to stay on top of each other. Like, Hey, I, you know, you didn't get your long run in this weekend or, Hey, I've seen you. Hey, you've been, I haven't seen you post in a couple of weeks. Are you feeling okay? Just doing a check-in to make sure you're all right. So stuff like that. Um, so for me, yeah, I think they're, it's a mixed bag, but if you come at it from the right perspective, it can, it can be a valuable tool. You just have to know what you're using it for rather than, again, just trying to keep up with everybody because there's just so much. There's so much inflated ego on any of those apps and social media platforms that it, it can be a bit overwhelming. Yeah, and by the way, yeah, your website, I was just, I was went through it last night and in, uh, in this morning. I, I think it's terrific. I wish I had seen it before because it's got great information. I love the setup of it from the standpoint of it's got, you know, running, hiking, OCR, but also like training information. And, you know, as a runner, like I see, you know, Arthur Lydiard in there sort of mentioned his whole training technique. Yeah. So it's got great information. So it's, it's more of a, a great resource for whether it be motivation or information or product comparison versus, you know, a lot of the social media is just, Hey, look at me, look at what I've done in this world. Um, and, and so that's, that's great, but it doesn't give, give, give me any sort of information or, you know, product comparisons. And I like the, I like the product, this versus this and your, your comparisons that you do not just a simple review of one product. It's sort of a comparing and contrasting two products. So that's good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and you have, that, you have another website too, which which is what uh, Wolf Life Running is that the one? So that's our uh, yeah, that's kind of our group, uh, our YouTube channel that okay. where our, we you know we've started filming our group runs. There's a lot of there's some solo ones on there, but it's it's primarily when me and my buddies get out on trails and try to do stuff. So that's where a lot of um, so you know some of the content from the website comes into play too. Um, we'd like to do I like to do like what you call like kind of adventure runs. So the world of ultras led in, led me into when, uh, when COVID hit, I had actually, so I planned on doing my first hundred back in 2021. And the idea was I was kind of about to step up my level in my first hundred. And then a week out, we had my whole crew booked. We were all flying out to Colorado for it. And then COVID. <laughs> so they canceled the race. And but we were, you know, we were already had tickets out to Colorado. We figured, hey, let's just go see a bunch of trail and go see what we can do. And what was just so shocking was all that training I put in just made it so that you could just go for miles. You could just go see all these beautiful places. You could get farther beyond where the tourists were and you could just go you could get lost in nature um, and just experience the beauty of what this world has to offer and so that really opened my eyes to doing more like some of these adventure runs and traveling to go do long trails doing things like the rim to rim to rim um, is one that I think that any runner that even doing the rim to rim where you run across the Grand Canyon once is amazing but if you do that you know the out and back of it is just it's it's awesome um, things like doing the Teton Crest Trail, Presidential Traverse. I so said we just got back from Oregon. Um, we spent three days there, and I think we we racked up like 70, 80 miles. We our first day we did three or four trail run hikes. The next day we climbed uh, Broken Top Mountain, which is like a class three, four scramble straight up a mountain overlooking Three Sisters Wilderness, and then we ran a 10k the next day. <laughs> and so it was just like it's just a blast when you realize that you you know you build up this endurance that you can go do and see so much because there's 
we live in a beautiful world and just, you know, having the ability to go see these places that most people will never have a chance to experience is, is so cool to me. Yeah, you've also gone global too. I saw you, uh, you know, Italy. There's some videos from that. There's uh, stuff from uh, Iceland. Yeah, in there as well. Yeah, so that channel is. We've only been doing it for about three years. I'm a big world traveler, so we've done a lot. I've got a chance to go. Yeah, so we went to Iceland last year. I think we drove. Uh, we drove in one week, six days. We drove over two thousand miles and ran over a hundred miles. Just hitting trails and just seeing everything we could and filming everything we could. So that, yeah, we just got back from Italy, which was kind of a run slash I, I did a bunch of adventure running out there, but also ended up just kind of relaxing for part of it too. So just doing anything that was cool, but getting to run through, you know, cities like Florence running through Rome, it's just, it was a great experience. Yeah. Wow. And, and, yeah. Sorry. And one last transition back to you, Jay was, um, you mentioned mental health and, and you know, you moved from LA to Costa Rica, sort of a, trying to change your life a bit. I guess any advice for sort of younger people who are uh, struggling with mental health? You know, it, if you're depressed, you know, and, and it's hard to then have the motivation to go out and do a, you know, a 10K, right? So I guess maybe what helped you in, from a mental health standpoint, just make that next, next step to go out and do something versus just staying at home and closing your door. Yeah, um, it can be really hard. And that's actually one of the reasons I left Los Angeles was a mental health standpoint. I didn't really fully understand it at the time. I just felt like I needed a break. But I realized as soon as I got away from the city and just the kind of mindset that a lot of people were in there, I worked in the music industry for a long time. And uh, just the, the, the materialistic one up, try to be better it's all about money mindset really was eating at me. And I had to, I didn't fully understand it until I got away from it and realized that there was another way of life and that living simpler or more simple and just enjoying the day to day could be so rewarding. So when I had left, that was one of the first thing I started doing was trying to get out and experience new things. And so for people that are, you know, battling that, a lot of it, it just starts with one step. That first step is so important. And it's that first step walking out the door. You don't have to run 100 miles. You just have to start moving a little bit. Movement is so key to uh, our human nature and how we feel. It's, it's connected to us. It's in our inner being. We're meant to move. Um, humans are the greatest endurance species on earth. There are a lot of animals that are faster than us, but we are over long distances. Humans are the number one endurance athletes or species. That's how we used to catch animals. We chase them until they got tired. And so hunts could last days or weeks. And then you start looking at all the studies that go along with, uh, with mental health and physical activity. And there have been a lot of things, um, comparing you know uh recent studies have showed run therapy to be just as effective as antidepressants um on individuals and almost almost at the same correlation of percentage of effectiveness and they, these studies aren't new there's a study in i think 2000 where they compared zoloft compared to just walking intense walking or up-tempo walking and they found again the exact same thing that it was actually just as effective as an antidepressant pill and even more effective long term so these things are important to know and realize that you know a lot of people are really about the quick fix but long term the quick fix isn't always the right answer obviously there are times when it's needed but i think for a lot of people 
just knowing that getting out, moving, getting some sunlight, you know, feeling the outdoors and then going for hikes and just, just going at your own pace and trying to relax and breathe and, and feel the world around you. It can do wonders. Um, a lot of young people nowadays, it brings back to social media. They're trying to, they're just trying to keep up with everybody and it, it can be overwhelming. I can't imagine being in high school nowadays with having all that comparison and so much of it is filtered, faked. A lot of these influencers are taking things and are, you know, they're on testosterone, HGH and more. And so it's, it's, it's unrealistic for people to keep up with. And so just realizing it starts with you. None of that really matters. It's about building experiences, building, building friendships and building memories because those are what are going to change your whole mindset. And so to me, that's mental health wise, again, just take that first step out the door, look at the sky, embrace the sun, feel the air, hell, go hug a tree. <laughs> I'm serious. There's actually, I forget what it's called, but there's a, a Japanese, um, it's, it's like a Japanese therapy. It's called tree therapy and there's a word for it in Japanese, but it's proven that the spores that trees put off will actually are really good for humans. And so you go out and just be next to green nature will have an impact on you. So <laughs> that's great advice. Yeah. I was going to say, thank you so much for like, not only your perspective, but like making it very real, I think. So I think that's the best part of advice is if it's real, relatable, people can kind of grasp onto it and understand it. Um, and I'll have to look up that study on the trees. Uh, I really like that. That is very cool. Yeah, I forget. There's like, there's, there's some word for it, but it's tree therapy of some sort. And yeah, they actually, at like lunchtimes, they'll encourage workers to go out and eat lunch just like under trees, out sitting in the grass. And they did studies because they've been doing it for a long, long time. And like I said, they found out that the spores that trees put off to actually fight against insects is really good for humans so it's a very symbiotic relationship <laughs> yeah oh my gosh i love that yeah i'll have to if i can find some info i'll have to link it into the episode too so people can can read about it um keeping it a little lighter now as we kind of start to wrap up a little bit i think i always ask people this um especially our longer distance guests um what are you thinking about when you are running? Because um, those long, you know, like day long runs, are you listening to music? Are you listening to books? Are you switching back and forth? Are you listening to nothing? Um, what do you, what's going on in your head while you're, you're doing all that running? So um, sometimes like during a lot of my training runs, I'll have music on just to uh, just get so repetitive, but in most races, I don't listen to anything. Uh, I do a lot of, I do a lot of inner soul searching. I think, like I said, I think, uh, when I get out there, especially pushing these these distances and these you know these challenging courses that you're unfamiliar with, I try to take it all in. I try to soak it all in. So mentally, it's it's it ranges from everything from enjoying the moment to embracing the misery to having conversations with myself to you know solving my life's issues. In some cases, it's almost like a therapy. I'd say um, there are times where I find myself in almost a meditative state, where you know when it gets really hard and you start to think that like okay, I I, I could stop. But you start to really kind of zone in and feel and embrace that feeling a bit. And you can start to have some clarity on a level that I think that, again, it's one of the reasons I think distance runners push themselves as far as they do. You start to really understand a bit about what what in you 
you need to work on to be better and how important this life, this ability to move is. And it may sound cliche, but those things will start to echo with you. Um, As far as that, then you start to get to the parts of night where you're just, it's dark. And even when you're running with someone, you know, it's, I call it caterpillaring out where people start to kind of spread and distance. And even if you're with them, they can be a hundred yards behind you and you feel like you're in the pitch black alone. Um, And I mean, I've had conversations with people that have passed in my life. I mean, I know they're, you know, make believe and in my head, but it allows you to just process things in a different way. So it's a, it's such a wide variety of emotions. I mean, I know people that cry out there. I know uh, you'll hear people just having, you know, talking to themselves in the woods because they're just, they're just in it. And you feel, you feel so, you feel so vulnerable as things just start to come out. But I think, I think a lot of people need that and could actually use that experience of feeling vulnerable and embracing it and just going with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's interesting that you don't. So do you train without music sometimes too, just so that your head's like, okay, to not be listening Thank to you just like for tuning in. Make sure you oh, rate, review, subscribe. No, I typically, I, I train with music quite a bit. I suffer from, to. I have Make ADHD, sure you check out social media, our website. Any of those things, um, yeah, questions, comments, interviews, requests, feel free to email it's me funny, people in the gym at Marathon Run Club. I have at my music on, I'll be having a conversation, I'll be listening to the music they have going on. So there's never really a lack of something in my head. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I usually, when I'm training, I use the music to kind of focus me on the training with a purpose mindset. Yeah. Um, and then when I'm out on the trails, I just let it go free. <laughs> and I let all that stuff just kind of drive me because, yeah, like I've never really had a problem with that with with being alone or just you know not having something going on in there and so that's that's one of the things i think from a mental aspect i've learned too having you know having a brain that just goes crazy a lot of the times that getting out there and doing this helps tame it quite a bit so yeah um okay i'd love to get into that but i feel like we're gonna run out of time so we'll just table it for now um but <laughs> can so my dad is running a marathon this weekend. What are you going for? Uh, 349? Is that, am I right? No, no, you got it. 350 is my goal. Uh, three, so 349. Yep. Um, <laughs> do you have any advice for him to, cause he's so close, I think, right? You're, you're well, you're going to get it, but I know the last one was pretty close, huh? Yeah. So I need to get to uh, 350 was the Boston qualifying time yep. for my age group. Uh, but as you may know, for Boston Marathon, you, you, if you hit the qualifying standard and there's more than 30,000 runners, they, they lower the standard after the fact and you end up getting bumped out. So my goal is, is, is first and foremost, get below four hours and then 350 would be nice to qualify and then less than that to uh, have a better chance of actually being in the Boston race. It's, it's yeah, so maybe, hard. Maybe nutrition. Yeah, because yeah, maybe the one area that I always seem like I falter on is nutrition. Is there any advice on nutrition? So I was about to say, it's so hard from like an ultra, uh, ultra running aspect to like convert it over to road running. I feel like they're two really different mindsets. I always tell people, I think, I personally think like, you know, marathon runners are crazy (laughs) because they, you know, it's one of those things where you're pushing yourself to the limit, just max the full time versus ultra running. It's ebbs and flows of, you know, based on the terrain, what, what it delivers to you. So, um, as far as, uh, nutritional aspects, I know for me, um, I dial it into, I like to take in calories every 30 minutes. I know some people, uh, some people do it differently. 
I've read, I've read a few studies and I've talked to a few high, really high level uh, marathoners that have that and coaches that talk about taking in um, they recommend, I think it's every 10 K on for like a road marathon to start taking in your calories. So, so it's really less based on time and more based on distance and output. So I think that's one thing a lot of people could learn is that there's no universal rule to it. You really got to look at how much energy you're expending, expending when you're running. So that's why I think distance is a good thing. Cause I mean, if you're running, you know, you're running a 10 K extremely fast, you're going to be burning more. So you're going to need to take food in quicker um, versus someone that's going a little slower, maybe able to take it differently. I think another thing is uh, salt intake, electrolyte intake is so important. Um, so not just drinking water. Uh, most of the time they find a, I forget what study it was, but they talked about how one of the Boston marathons, they did a study of a bunch of runners afterwards. And they found that a large percent of them were actually overhydrated. And on the, on the opposite end of that spectrum, typically the top performers are typically dehydrated when they finish. So there is this balancing point of not taking in too much water and knowing that it's not just water you need. You do need salts. You do need electrolytes. Um, I, there's, there's a lot of things you can do, like getting a sweat study will tell you how much, um, how much salts and what you're actually losing when you sweat. So those are great things when you start getting up to really looking at dialing in your nutritional, uh, nutritional end so that you can know exactly what you have to start taking in for your peak performance. But I'm a big fan of, of like I said, making sure that you're drinking something that has a little bit of substance to it versus just taking in a lot of water. Perfect. Awesome. I'll use that advice this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't try anything new on race day though. I know. <laughs> he will. He'll buy like a new like belt. He'll buy new shoes. He'll do new stuff on race day. And I always say, don't do anything new on race day. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I never learn. Never yeah. learn. <laughs> Well, Brian, thank you so much. This has been so fun. Um, any last things? Because I know there was like so much we could have gotten to and you know, there's just never enough time to get to everything. But any last things real quick you just want to share with everybody? I know we have to check out your website. I'll make sure that's linked in the notes. Um, but anything else? Um, I think the biggest thing is for me, and I, I've got a lot of friends on this tip, is really just take on things that scare you. Um, use that as motivation. Don't be, don't be afraid of doing hard races. Don't be afraid of, you know, trying to set a Boston qualifying marathon time because you're afraid of failure. Don't use it as motivation. Try, take on challenges, push yourself into an uncomfortable zone. Cause you know, the worst case is you, you don't, you don't finish or you, you know, you don't qualify, but what's the hurt? Because guess what? If you didn't try, you were in the same boat in the first place. So you can use those lessons to help yourself grow and take yourself to that next step. And so I think that's the biggest thing is take on things that scare you, challenge yourself and reap the rewards because they will help you grow as a human, as an athlete in just an everyday life. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Um, and I can't wait to keep following everything that you're doing because it is super inspiring. Yeah, I've actually, uh, I guess I give a shout out. We're taking on um, me and my buddy Kyle just signed up for we're doing the dragon's back race out in, 
out in Wales next next September, September 2024, which is a six day event. It covers like 230 something miles, about 60,000 feet of gain. It's 20% of it is off court. It has no trail where you're climbing mountains and all that. So just kind of an example. It's something that scares me a bit, but I think you, you know, sign up, buy the ticket, take the ride. So <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, good luck. We'll definitely be be checking in to see how that's going for you. Thank you so much. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you.